dressed as a this big dinosaur and said he was going to run for 2.6 miles around his local park. His suit just kind of collapsed around him. Uncovering the most amazing stories from the most talented innovators and creatives in marketing, tech and digital. This is the Wonderful People Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wonderful People podcast with myself, Dan Mordab, and myself, Phil Jones. The modern day Batman and Robin, self-titled. No one's ever called us that, or probably ever will, but we call ourselves that for now. And uh, so, Phil, I know last week and the last couple of episodes, you've, uh, you've got yourself a little bit of a fascination and obsession, some could say, with, uh, with a cardo. So what's been happening this week? Who, who have you been liaising with this week? Well, it's, been, it's a lot of tears this week, Dan. Oh. A lot of tears. But we started out the week in tier one. Oh, uh, here we go. I've ended up the week in tier two, and I'm a bit cross because when Babs persuaded me to leave Bloomsbury after 25 years living in London, she said, we're going to live in Bromley in Kent. And so I thought we were well clear of any of these postcode things. And I suddenly find out that for the purpose of lockdown, we're, we're still in London. But oh, there we go. You're in proper Kent, aren't you? Sunny Kent. Uh, I know, the, I know the, the, the guys from Yorkshire say that, you know, Yorkshire is God's own country. Let yeah. me tell you, Kent is not. No, <laughs> but I am. I am in sunny Kent. Yeah, I am indeed. But you can at least go and visit your neighbours and have a cup of tea with your neighbours. I can't do that. Absolutely, so I, I know. I know. We're luckily we're still on uh, the first tier, and we're uh, yeah muddling our way through it. But yeah, a cup of yeah. tea with the neighbours still happening. Okay. Well, speaking of tears, there's a lot of the uh, tears in Manchester. This week, and I'm not quite sure at the time of us doing this uh, whether any of that's resolved, but we'll come to that in a minute. I'd just like to introduce um, the guest, Michelle Carney, who's the Chief Executive of Special Olympics Great Britain. She's actually a Man United fan, as am I. She's a Stratford end girl. She actually was brought up in Stratford, which is brilliant. Uh, during lockdown, she celebrated her two-year anniversary in the role and like many charity bosses, she's faced some really tough challenges over the over past six months. We want to find out about the journey that brought a lass from up north to one of the top roles in disability sports via Australia and South Africa. And hopefully hear more about the team at Special Olympics GB and how they've been adapting to our new digital world. So with that in mind. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks very much, Dan. Great to be interviewed by Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, someone else has called us Batman and Robin. I know. It's not just self-titled anymore. Exactly, <laughs> but this time it's live. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, Michelle, we always start with a really deep and meaningful question, and, you know, we've had all sorts of deep and meaningful answers. But if you were to be stuck in a lift with someone, who would it be and why? I thought about this, <clears throat> and I could have gone for the, the obvious answer of, you know, a nice, handsome... Hollywood actor um but I went actually Brené Brown I, I would love to be stuck in a lift with Brené Brown because I think she's a genius and um you know I was going through a tough time and a friend of mine had um said watch her TED talk on vulnerability and so I did it's had about 40 million views now I think on, on TED wow. 
And uh, it started a love affair for all things uh, Brené Brown. And, you know, I read her books, listened to her audios. And, you know, for the first time ever, I am going to go a bit deep. Sorry, Batman. Um, you know, I felt I had validation as a leader who was different, you know, because she talks about brave leadership. She talks about daring greatly and about, you know, having courage to be brave and courage and bravery doesn't come without being vulnerable. And, you know, courage to be vulnerable is not about winning or losing. It's about courage to show up when you can't predict or control the outcome. So, you know, and she talks about if you're going to dare greatly, you're going to have to get your ass kicked along yeah. the way. Mm -hmm. And I definitely have had my backside <laughs> kicked and I was just kind of going, oh, my goodness. So, and, you know, she talks about if you choose courage, which is, she's right, you, you will absolutely know failure, disappointment, setbacks, and even heartbreak. And I'd been through all of those in my whole career. And I believed that I was different and, and I hadn't seen any leaders who were like me. And what, she, what just came as one big light bulb moment, I went, oh, leading from the heart is pretty all right, you know, and it's not me who's got it wrong and everybody else who's got it right. So I've learned through her work and her speaking that it's actually okay to be different and it's okay to be vulnerable. And actually, it's a really positive thing to be an empathetic leader. And all those who gave me a hard time and, you know, in the environments that I've been in before, that's about them. That's not about me. So, so I've learned a lot. So I'd love to be in a lift with her wow. just to kind of go, yay, thank you. <laughs> uh -huh. And also then ask her to be an ambassador for Special Olympics. because There, there we go. Yeah. Bravery, you know. Our athlete oath is, you know, our athlete oath is let me be brave. Let me win. But if I cannot win, let me be brave in the attempt. And I think yeah. that like epitomizes everything that she stands for. Wow, what an amazing oath. That's brilliant. Very good. That is excellent. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, look, you've just unpacked a whole number of questions there. But <laughs> you've, got, you've had a brilliant career. As you've said, highs and lows, super interesting, that's for sure. Um, you've been the CEO of the Special Olympics Great Britain for, well, over two years now, coming up to two and a half years. Now, how did that come about? Tell us what sparked your interest in uh, the development of disability sports and what makes this role so exciting for you? Do you know, I don't, I don't know when my first interest was. It's just, it just felt that it's always been there. And when I went to university in Leeds, I um, went volunteering with the Sports Development Unit and an amazing guy called Ken Black and spent years with him and just working in disability sports and absolutely just loved it. I love the joy. I love the transformation. I love everything that comes with that so then I embarked on a career I love sport sport is my passion you know grew up next to the shrine Old Trafford <laughs> uh, you know played football for Man United Lady no, red. <laughs> I know let we, Phil you know we've, we've got to like you know like these Tottenham fans and all sorts um, so you know so I worked in the learning disability service I worked in America with people with challenging behaviors and brain injuries you know I came back and and worked in sports development and I absolutely love it I, I don't know why just absolutely love it and then then I took a different um turn and went to work in Australia managing pubs and did all of that um 
And then I've worked in all aspects of sport. So community, grassroots, professional, international, you know, worked in the commercial sector, international development. And when I saw this job over two years ago, I was like, oh, my God, this is everything that I've ever done. So all the experience I've had within the commercial sector, the international sector, my passion for creating environments which fundamentally transform lives and doing it in the most fun way possible. And I didn't know, despite my start in disability sport, at that time that Special Olympics Great Britain existed. We've been here for 40 years at the time. I did not know that Special Olympics Great Britain existed. Neither did my friends, peers, colleagues. We're like, and I was like, if I don't know, who, who, who have we been working with? Where have we, what tables have we been around? So the most exciting thing was loads of exciting. And genuinely, I do have the best job in sport. 100% believe that. Um, you know, the most exciting is the potential. And that's the potential to, to reach more people who live with an intellectual disability. There are 1.7 million people who live with an intellectual disability. Like it's an outrage that people don't know about the, the work that Special Olympics does. We're only reaching 10, 11,000 of those we're not reaching 99.5% of the population, you know, who live with an intellectual disability. So the exciting bit is the potential of that. The more exciting bit is that we do it in an environment which is about fun, it's about enjoyment, it's true transformation, and it will make societal change. Like this is not just a, let's do a programme, and let's change the world for like eight weeks. This is fundamental. If we get it right, and that's the bit that excites me, this will, be, this will fundamentally change lives for any child who is born to a parent and the child happens to have an intellectual disability. So that the child is not given, and I, you know, I talk about this a lot, the child is not given to the parent, as most of our athletes have, with an apology. I'm so sorry your son has, I'm so sorry your daughter has, you know, Down syndrome or, you know, whatever. It should be, <laughs> congratulations, you've got, you've got a, you know, you've got a son, you've got a beautiful daughter. And the same as what Paralympics did for those who are born without a limb. You know, you, you more of likely have seen an image of someone running with a blade and winning a gold medal what I want and what we need is that same imagery for anybody who has a visible or invisible intellectual disability to know that when a child is born the the possibilities are endless and you know that's what is so exciting about this role wow really a cause yeah now Michelle uh, you've had a long and varied career, as you say in sport, but you were for a, a time the only female president of a Premier League football club. Tell us about that. Sounds impressive, doesn't it? Yeah, very impressive. <laughs> and I tell you that it was in Lesotho, um, the Lesotho Premier League. So Lesotho is a small country in Southern Africa. Um, and I worked as a country director uh, for a charity over there for about 18 months. And uh, I led the transformation of a charity. I built a social enterprise, I built a restaurant, a hotel and conference centre. 
And the football club was part of that social enterprise. So we were the world's first football club exclusively dedicated to social change. So I was the only female president um, of a professional football club in the country. It was an honorary position, but I did get involved. Like I like to leave it to the, to the football manager and the, the director of football. But when it looked like we were being relegated, I came in and did my Karen Brady. (laughs) (laughs) I literally, for six weeks, for the last six games, sat the whole team down, sorted out team differences, worked on team morale, made sure they ate together. We provided meals and they they spent the night together before and they, you know, and and we we survived in the the league. So, yeah, passionate, but loved it. And I was at every single game, and yeah, it was a joy. That sounds like the uh, Man United dressing room this year. <laughs> <laughs> probably could have, yeah, let's let's have a chat with Ollie. I think, I think you can let Michelle in there for half an hour or so, she might. I think we should, and she'll sort them all out. Well, we could just focus her on Pogba. Just say, just deal with Pogba. Find yeah. out what the problem is, get him sorted, and then we're, we're back again, aren't we? Absolutely. Uh, Michelle, charities have been hit incredibly hard during the pandemic and what's what's the biggest challenge that you've had with the special olympics community we've been we've been massively massively impacted uh, by covid um financially and the health and well-being of our athletes so by the very nature that our athletes are amongst the most vulnerable in the community so first to be locked down and will be last to be to be let out, if you like, let loose. Um, Special Olympics is more than just sport. So when I talked to every single athlete I've spoken to and I said, what's life like before Special Olympics? They will all tell a similar story. So they were bullied, they were they didn't have any friends, they were excluded, they had bottles thrown at them, some it was so bad they didn't want to live. You know, and then you say, what does Special Olympics bring? I've got friends, I have fun, develop confidence, I get opportunities to travel. And, you know, just so Special Olympics is about more than just sport. It's about that fun, that friendship and being part of a family. Now we're all experiencing this social isolation. That's what our athletes have lived with for most of their lives. And they're back in that because some live on their own. Some live in supported communities, some live with families. They're not getting that human interaction, which is so important for our athletes. You know, if you come along to any of our events, which you must do, Batman and Robin dressed as Batman and Robin. Oh my goodness. I'm there. I'm in. (laughs) Honestly, you'd love it. What you see is laughter smiles hugs you know everybody's really competing for the gold medal but then when everybody's crossed the line they're all cheering and hugging and stuff so it's had a massive impact there one the best of us have got I don't know about you but I'm kind of all newsed out like Covid was so frightening and whatever and we had to make the messages as simple as possible so accessible communication is really important so I do videos of everything and I you know I'm a keep it simple stupid person you know I like to simplify everything mainly for me but it (laughs) it helps um finances have been massively impacted you know we were just on a 
on a roll. We've been doing a lot of transformation as an organisation and it's taken a really hard knock. We haven't been able to access any of this emergency funding from the government because we're not frontline service. You know, we do a really important role, but we're not medical in our nature. And therefore, we've not been eligible for any of these funds or bailouts. So, you know, that's what keeps me up at night. We're, we're in a financially precarious position. Um, you know, lots of people supporting us, you know, in the medium to long term, but short term, it's had a massive impact. But, you know, we, we, we take the positives from it as well. You know, there's been lots of good things that have happened through this. One, it's forced people to talk about, uh, to use things like Zoom and, you know, that video conferencing. So we're able to see more people. Um, but that human connection, we don't know how we're, you know, we're, we're having to work hard to go, how do we rebuild that level of confidence um, within for our athletes? Just... Um... And several years ago, I was going to a friend's wedding in California, a, a digital guy, Pete Delokinoff. Babs and I were sat on the plane and hundreds of Special Olympics um, kids and adults were coming on the plane and they were going over for the games over there. Remember the California, what year would that have been? LA 2015. 2015 yeah. so 2015 we were just going for this wedding and the whole plane was full and what struck me apart from the fact that as they were all boarding how happy they all were and like really up for it was the number of helpers required yeah. to make something like that happen and I'm assuming 90% of them are unpaid helpers but you know without that number of people physically helping with each individual person you've you've got problems so i mean i can imagine that really affecting you at the moment that those people are not allowed to mingle are they with no and you and you're absolutely right phil um volunteers are the backbone so actually 97 percent of the people who travel to world games as, a, as our delegation support delegation are are volunteers so there's there's only there will only ever be two maximum three paid staff because that's wow. it's self-funded um and you know we we have we have four and a half thousand dedicated volunteers across the whole of great britain you know we 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 have to to look at how we retain and reward and just keep them involved and you know it, <laughs> and that's been an additional challenge is we're, we're reliant on volunteers it's volunteers who run yeah. Special Olympics, you know, um, so and I think that's that's a challenge across sport. But there is nothing like being lucky to to be on a plane with with Special Olympics athletes traveling anywhere. We took over Heathrow when we flew out to Abu Dhabi <laughs> last year, and honestly, yeah. the people who were getting on the same flight were like, "What is going on?" And they learned, you know, and they yeah. they, they just got caught in with the the joy and the singing and you know all of that so yeah oh it's lovely yeah. that's brilliant and talking about Abu Dhabi last year I think team GB had a you know we've talked about the lack of funding we're going to come back onto that in a minute in terms of fundraising but you guys as a team had a, had a fantastic result right oh we killed it we took, <laughs> we took 128 athletes out a whole delegate a delegation of 185 in total so 128 athletes they competed against seven and a half thousand athletes from over 190 countries across wow. the world. 
it was the world's biggest sporting event, bar none. And we finished, well, well, I got I got into a bit of trouble, I have to tell you. So up until two days towards the end of the game, we were top of the medal table. Top. So every every event that I'd go to, there'd be an athlete come. Well, they call me boss, 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 Michelle, Michelle. Look, <laughs> top of the table, top of the table. Like, what? So we ended up sixth in the global table. Wow. Only country in the top 50 who receives currently no central government funding. You know, you think about it. So we, we, beat, we beat China, actually. I've got, I, I stuck it out and I'm sticking it Oh, well this. done. Yeah, by, by one gold medal. Yeah. So very few people knew about it. I mean, we had more media coverage than we've ever had. But our athletes like smashed it. Wow. Wow. That's phenomenal. Absolutely brilliant. Now I know also sort of bridging back into the fundraising. I know you've been doing some fundraising activities during lockdown, and you know, more than welcome to share a bit about that. But also what's kind of what's inspired you about some fundraising things you've seen over the last few months? Is there anything you thought, oh, I wish, you know, or saw something that made you smile or something you thought, you know what, I wish I thought of that? Well, I, I would love to be the charity that was um, the recipient of Captain Sir Tom. <laughs> you know, yeah, true. <laughs> I, I, I literally was just like to the team, "What can we learn about this? How did this simple idea turn in to a thirty million pound drive? Because it, because it's, you know, it's serendipity, but it's there's something, there's a bit of magic, and we yeah. just need to find the magic." The 2.6 challenge, which was which was set up um, as as a byproduct, really, of the fact that the, the London Marathon couldn't go ahead and the, the Vitality Westminster Mile. Um, so there's lots of really fun ideas generated in a really short amount of time. And one of our guys, he was he was volunteering for us at the time, and he now works for us. Ben, he did a dinosaur challenge. So the premise of the 2.6 was that everything had to have a two and a six in it. So you could do 26 minutes, two hours, six minutes, 26 miles, 2.6, whatever. So there had to be some kind of, so it was lots of really creative ideas. And Ben, bless him, dressed as this big dinosaur and said he was going to run for 2.6 miles around his local park. But when he was doing it and he was videoing it, his suit just kind of collapsed around him. <laughs> this video of this pathetic, <laughs> deflated thing, and it made it onto the main social media challenge uh, channels from the 2.6 challenge. But the best thing, and I'll talk about him a bit later, was one of our athlete leaders, Niall, said, I'm going to, rather than do anything physical, I'm going to draw 26 football stadiums and raise money. So... Today, he's drawn over, oh, he's up to nearly 100. He's raised over 5,000 pounds. Wow. We are going to be turning that into a social enterprise and a business development idea, which I'll talk about a bit later. And he's been on BBC News. He's been on, he's been interviewed for ESPN. This is a guy who was nonverbal 18 months ago. Wow. Incredible. So, so his idea has just, like Captain Tom, Sir Tom, we'll, we'll get onto the millions hopefully <laughs> at some point. But it's it was genius, and it's just kind of taken on a life of its own, yeah. uh, which is amazing. So I think that's the that's the nub of fundraising, isn't it? Lovely. That's fantastic, brilliant. 
And I know, obviously, we spoke about Abu Dhabi and that's been and gone, but Liverpool next year was set to host the Special Olympics National Games. But with all the events, it was postponed. So any news you can share on any any new plans, anything coming up? So we postponed it from 21 to 22. And then sadly, Liverpool, um, for a number of reasons, decided they couldn't host it. So it's been cancelled which is devastating for our athletes because this is the highlight. We get 4,000 athletes at a national games. It's the highlight of a four-year cycle. Um, So I've been in lots of discussions with a number of cities. Um, I've been talking with the Commonwealth Games. I'm trying to get some kind of link into Birmingham in 2022 um, because I just think it works. You know, the values of the Commonwealth Games are completely aligned with the values of Special Olympics. It's all about inclusion and, you know, kindness and and support. And I think there's a really lovely synergy there. And I've been talking with David Grevenberg, who's the CEO of the Commonwealth Games Federation. We're looking at maybe a long-term vision for Special Olympics athletes to be involved in Commonwealth Games moving forward. But first and foremost, we need to put an event on in 2022 our athletes need it you know this this has been such a tough year next year is still going to be tough they need something to hold on to and look forward to and it'll be the best party ever so if anybody's got a shed load of money or wants to help invest in it um you know that that's our time so you know phil we've met a few times before and you know we'll make it happen if I have to, <laughs> have to force people, bully people, harass people yeah. to, to... We're interviewing Gary Mabbott. Amazing. In, next in the series, and they've got the most incredible stadium. Uh, I would imagine that would go down pretty well, wouldn't it, if you could... We, you know, we just... Somewhere that can host a gathering of, you know, we, we at Liverpool, we were going to do 20 different sports. Um, so it's a massive, it's a massive four-day, five-day event. Open and closing ceremony are crucial to it because that's the party. And if you ever want to go to the best party, it's a Special Olympics party. Yeah. There are dance-offs galore, you know. Mm. You've got to be prepared to put your dancing shoes on <laughs> and just get involved. So we need to be well out of COVID yeah. pandemic and, you know. Right, Dan, remember to throw that as a question to Gary on Thursday. Gotcha. Maybe hook these guys up. Um your ambassadors, how how much of a role do they play in supporting Special Olympics? And who are your current ambassadors? So ambassadors is something that we're, we're really having to look at. So when I came in, we, we, we've had we've got some named ambassadors, but we haven't seen them for quite a while. So I won't embarrass them by naming and shaming. I'll do that privately. But our glo- glo- one of our global ambassadors is Nicole Scherzinger. And thankfully, you know, she's she, her and I have met a few times and we've done a few things together and um, she is amazing with our athletes and we've done a few things. So she's brilliant and she will do if we need something and she can do it, she'll do it. You know, yeah. she, she's, she's brilliant and she's superb with our athletes. And, you know, we, we did this um, fundraising day at BGC and it was our trading and, you know, our, got her a t-shirt branded her up and she matched her shoes to the to the red t-shirt <laughs> and we got front page of the evening standard on the same day we got in hello magazine you know that that 
brand alignment with a celebrity is really important. And if you look at, you know, the likes of cricket, you know, Ruth Strauss, Ruth Strauss Foundation, you know, they've been going only a few years, but because the connections he's got in with, with Andrew Strauss and the England cricket team, and because you've got the likes of Piers Morgan as a massive cricket fan, they will get mainstream exposure on TV. We haven't really quite landed anybody that big. So I've brought a guy in who's going to work with us on a pro bono basis for a year, who is going to help us really with that ambassador strategy. So my plea is if you, so we'd love to have like, you know, Lewis Hamilton. We, we, so Jim Carter is an ambassador for us and he is phenomenal. He just sent us an email earlier today. Him and his wife, Imelda Staunton, are superb. And why I love Jim, and, and actually it's really important that ambassadors are genuine and are actually here for the right reasons because when you when we're in you know you talk about the states and you know all these people come in and you know the big NFL players and they go oh I want to listen to one NFL player go I thought I was giving to the athletes I didn't realize I actually got more out of it than they did and they give me more so that that, that friendships are developed and that's the power of our movement. So anybody who has an interest, you know, and has a family member, and actually if, if, you, if you start asking questions, you'll find more often than not that each of us had, know somebody who has a family member with an intellectual disability, yeah. you know? So, so it's, a, it's a strange one. We, we, we really need, we've got some big names in mind. We could do with, we could do with a big royal, I did get a letter off Prince Harry um, for um, when we went to the World Games, which was lovely. And because uh, he knew I met Prince Harry on a plane flying out of Lesotho. You know, I had a bit of a chat with him there. <laughs> Were you at the back of the plane or the front? The front. Well, I mean, it's a three. <laughs> no, let me put it in context. This, this is how cool he is, actually, as a guy. So the plane out of Missouri, which is the capital of Sushi, that flies to Joburg. So there's only, there's only one destination. There's only one flight a day. It's it's a three-seat wide plane, so a one and two. So, you know, it's a small plane. <laughs> so I was sat on seat 2A, and he was on 3C. So he no, it was just, yeah, just there. So I had a bit of a, a chat with him. So oh, lovely, lovely. When he's surrounded by his his things, so he'd been told that I've been in Lesotho, so he wrote us a letter. Enjoying our podcast? Remember to subscribe, share, and leave us a review. But that was a big roundabout way to go. We've got some good ambassadors. We need some really high profile, kick ass ambassadors who have a big social media following, who have a lot of influence, who can talk about us on. Um, on TV and on radio and and who buy into it like you either get it or you don't and there's a very rare person who is not moved by meeting our athletes a little bit like the Marcus Rashford at the moment what yeah. he's doing yeah it's just transformed that charity hasn't it he's incredible yeah. you know Marcus Rashford we could all do with a Marcus Rashford yeah. in our lives and that that comes from that comes from a real authentic desire to make a difference, not for show, but for the kids. Yeah. You know? That brings me to my next question about um, inclusion and diversity. Mm. And most of us, 
just think of that in terms of male, female, you know, if, if I'm organizing a, an event, whether it be sports podge or digital podge, I'm thinking, try and get the balance right between male, female, um, blacks, Asians, all of the normal things. How, how do you see that, you know, that whole subject? It's very different from your perspective, isn't it? Drives me insane, Phil. So diversity and inclusion. People go, yeah, we're so diverse. Oh, we're so inclusive. Are you though? Are you really? You know, so so disability is the last big conversation and intellectual disability is the last hidden disability and stigma of the disabled world. So there are 14 million people in Britain who who identify as having a disability. 1.7 million of those have an intellectual disability so people go so I was on a panel channel four Paralympics um Toyota and some of the going and it was a great panel and they were like yeah we're totally you know inclusive of disability it's like are you though you know disability inclusion is not physical accessibility it's not about putting a ramp in and having different heights because not everybody who's disabled is in a wheelchair you know, there are varying needs and our athletes, it, it's about more than just physical adjustments. So if I tell you a story, one of our corporate partners, Kerry Foods, um, so they've just they've just renewed for another two years. Thank you, Kerry Foods. Um, they thought they were an inclusive organisation. So we have this amazing team of athlete leaders and they they. Um, went to the senior leadership team of Kerry Foods and challenged them and went, this is what we need, you know? And there was a six hour conversation. It was supposed to have been a half an hour. Our athletes stayed there for like a full day. And the majority of the senior leadership team from Kerry were in tears by the end of the day because they realised that through no fault of their own necessarily, they they were not inclusive. What they thought inclusion was is not inclusion in action. So then they committed to making fundamental change. So I've been working with an organization called Dial. Um, So they're about moving the dial on diversity and inclusion, mainly because I've got quite vocal about inclusion is not just about race, gender, (laughs) you know, sexuality. It's a little bit about more than that. And it's not just how many people you've got in a wheelchair. So we managed, we, they had, there was a global seminar, um, a global webinar recently last month and 44 top leaders from, a, from the biggest companies around the world were on to discuss over two days, diversity and inclusion. I got to go on with one of our athlete leaders, Katie Day. She's, she's a Brummie. She's an Aston Villa fan for her, for her sins, but you know, we won't hold that against her too much. Um, but she, she, we did this thing, I know it's called that unified leadership. So we said, let's give Katie the opportunity. We have athletes who are more experienced, but Katie is, she just speaks from the heart and she says it how it is and she's funny as hell. Um, you know, she's got her own business. She's got her own gardening business now. And she's like, focus on my ability, not my disability. We do this thing called unified leadership. So it's basically those with and without an intellectual disability co-present. So that's what Katie and I did. And her message, and she stole the show completely over the two days. Her message was, with the right time, with patience and the right support, I can do anything. You know, 
So that's what we're about. So I say my job is creating environments and platforms where our athletes can tell their stories and, you know, because they're, the, they're powerful ambassadors. They can show how you can create an environment which is truly inclusive. And actually Special Olympics is true inclusion in action. So yeah. let's just not talk the talk. Let's just walk the walk. And it shouldn't have to be, oh, my God, I have to do this inclusion thing. Bloody hell, you know. It should be, let's do it in the most fun way. And let's just get champions across businesses who start to understand. And that's how you start to get this, you know, momentum for change. And that's the only way we're going to get change across society. 94% of people with an intellectual disability are unemployed. 94%. What a statistic. Wow. Outrageous. Yeah. And it's set to rise. So, wow. it, um, so yeah, sorry, party political broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, some of those statistics are quite, um, they're quite scary when you think about it from a bigger yeah. picture perspective. I think just reflecting back on what you said, one of the challenges is we can be quite narrow minded in our understanding of what even what inclusion disability is. And so I think what you're sharing today is really helpful, even from a, just from an understanding perspective. So I hope our listeners will sort of take this away and, you know, look at, you know, where do we sit on that scale? What's our yeah. understanding? How do we see it? And then most importantly, how can we help? And do you know what? It's the most fun conversation you'll have. An intellectual disability, I know it's not a term that we're very, you know, um, aware of in this term, it's a very American term, but it's formed at birth or within your first five years. So the beauty of that, it's formed before you've had a chance to develop a filter. So everything with our athletes is pure and you, you, you get none of the filter of life. You just get it from the heart and it's, they're funny. They make me laugh. They inspire me every day. I just, just absolutely love it. And I just think everybody should have a conversation with somebody who has an ID. We are, our athletes lead quiz nights and um one of our athlete leaders Kira did uh, has done a number of strong mind sessions so that's like mental health for some big businesses she's done recently Bank of America um, wow. staff. she did 70 ESPN Disney and Fox staff she's done Cantar she's done Kerry she's done Coca-Cola she's done National Grid so you know, our athletes are leading the way and we're going yeah off you go <laughs> yeah. she Kira spoke to Warner Brothers on Friday night did a lunch and learn with the states you know just going oh this is who i am this is what i do you know so that's the way inclusion action like we can show you because we could just bring you to an athlete and then you know the government are developing a disability strategy i've been hustling to get our voice around the table and i've succeeded in having a conversation and then i went why don't you come and speak to our athlete leadership team who join our full team every thursday morning and hear from them what you should be including and they did two weeks ago, a team from Downing Street joined oh, really? our Thursday morning huddle and said it was absolutely the meeting of the day and they want to come back and speak some more. So Fantastic. that's how we get change. Well, well done you as CEO. So as CEO, uh, you're tasked with the unenviable job of looking ahead to the future. Uh, with so much emphasis now placed on digital as a tool to connect people and communities, how are you ad- adapting to this? Does it level the playing field or does it put you at a disadvantage? 
You know, there's good and bad things about it. So one in three families of people with um, intellectual disability live in poverty. So automatically you don't necessarily have access to a computer, to internet, to, you know, um, communication devices. So that, that makes it a challenge. We, but we have to think differently and, you know, accessible communication. So for, as an example, you know, if, we, if we're doing big long, if we have to do a piece, so the, the return to activity and to all the policies and stuff, we will take that and then I will record a video. One of the team will record a video and just simplify it. And then, you know, we'll record audio because some of our athletes, many of our athletes can't read or write. So it's so it's about how we get the information over in the most simple way possible. Simple is beautiful. And, you know, we could all learn to simplify a little bit more. The digital stuff is exciting because those that have smartphones and, you know, those that are out about love it, you know, always on WhatsApp, WhatsApp groups, Facebook, Facebook. Oh, Special Olympics athletes love a bit of Facebook. So, right. <laughs> uh, so it's making it, it's it's bringing people closer together, but it's also tearing people apart because of that physical connection. Yeah. So I do worry about the next generation. But we have to be more digital in our approach and, you know, agile and all of that business. So we are looking at digital campaigns. So if anybody wants to help us with some creative, I'm always looking for people to just help us get that message out. So it's a really great tool if we have the resource, the equipment and the training there and we use it properly. Yeah. but yeah, it's, it's the way of the world. And um, I think that the video technology and how we communicate with video will become even more important. And, you know, especially because we've been doing Motivation Mondays, Wellness Wednesdays, Fitness Fridays, and that's all been done, you know, remotely. And we, we've had some sense and we've done athlete fun evenings and, you know, athletes get to have a chat with me which is always entertaining, not for them, but for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but on the other way around, but, you know, it's, yeah. Well, actually, Dan is one of my judges tomorrow. I'm chairing the annual Daddy Awards for the drum. And every year, this is my 14th year, and every year the judging is done in a physical space, like the Marriott Hotel or yeah. wherever, and a big part of it is letting the judges meet each other and sit on tables with each other and, and create bonds and tomorrow is the first time ever we're we're going to do it virtually so I'm terrified to be honest I'm not sure how this is is going to go but what what I do know is the benefit of it is that we've got judges who are logging in from four or five different countries Mm -hmm. which we wouldn't have had and and I imagine with all of all of the support you have in this in America where the Kennedys who, kept, who founded the original, uh, whether that is help, more helpful to you now that stuff is being doing, being done virtually? Yeah, I mean, I've, we've, I've just literally logged off um, from a global webinar that now happens every two weeks. And Tim Schreiber, who's, who is the son of Eunice Kennedy Schreiber, who set up, founded the um, Special Olympics 52 years ago, sister of John F. Kennedy. So if you don't know the story, yeah. the, the Kennedy um family 
John F. Kennedy, Bobby, all of that, had a sister, Rosemary, who had an intellectual disability. Her, their father thought he could buy her way to fixing her and so decided that she could have a lobotomy. Um, and um, that obviously didn't go well and she was never seen in public again. So her sister Eunice made it her mission to make sure, you know, anybody with an intellectual disability had access to do whatever they wanted to do. Um, so Tim Shriver is the global chairman and he, you know, he sits on a webinar. And so that's the beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and we, we've got a lot to learn from America, but we're, we're so different and our, you know, our global um, office is headquartered in, in Washington, but is very much and has been for many years. It's for the U.S. market. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's not relevant yeah. to us, but we need to just take what we can from that and build GB because we're going to be awesome. Absolutely, and obviously, you know, you, you've you've shared quite a few things about the the trials of the last season. You know, both in terms from an athlete's perspective yeah. and from a brand perspective. But a bit of a positive spin. What was the last thing you saw and thought that's wonderful? I like that. Do you know what? Today, this morning. Um, one of our athlete leaders, so I have an athlete leadership team, and I spoke about him a little bit earlier, Niall. Niall Guy is one of our athlete leaders. When I met our athlete leadership team uh, a year ago, last January, you know, I said, what is it you want? So they basically said, we want a voice, we want to be heard. So I said, okay, done deal. So they're now part of our formal wider leadership structure. They have a voice. They're part and parcel of deba debates. Niall, when I met him, used what are called chatties cards. So he was nonverbal, pretty much, you know, could understand everything, but didn't speak. Niall has transformed, just is a, is a different young man. So he's done these stadium drawings and then it's been picked up and, you know, he's found a voice. He's got a really funny sense of humour. He's, he's smart as a die. And then in the last couple of weeks, we've been giving him opportunities. So I have an opportunity of paid employment for him to sit on part of a group around Festival 2022. So we said, you know, looking for somebody, would you there? So he's like, oh, yeah, we've got somebody who wants to build him a website from to, to kind of really build on the stadium bit. Oh. We're linking him into because I'm developing I, when I, I had COVID. So post COVID, when my brain fog lifted I went I need to develop a social enterprise so we need to have athletes who are paid employers employ, employers and employees and um that where they can be entrepreneurial and raise money and all of that and 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 get money to so Niall is going to be um our first we're going to develop his business idea as a Brilliant. social enterprise so today he was on the call. So last week he said he's had the best week. He got he had an ESPN interview. He's from Sheffield. He's mad about Sheffield Wednesday. Uh -huh. he got to interview a Sheffield Wednesday player, Keddy, whoever it was. But it was it was very lovely. Um, and last week he was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And today he was bouncing. He is literally having the time of his life and he could see it in him. He was just physically and his mum was going, would you guys stop giving us all this good news? And we get emails from him. So today, I literally, my heart was bursting 
for just going and I was like it's you Niall you've done it all like amazing we just created an opportunity you took it and you've run with it and this is the start of he'll be the first special olympic athlete to be the start of a social enterprise anywhere globally and he's like oh wow Whoa. I love so this to story. see the joy on him yeah. and his mum was just like oh my god it's just Honestly, it's wonderful, it's a joy, and it's just a privilege just to be part of it. So. Wow, what an incredible story. I think, um, yeah, we, we don't ever compare, but I think it's got to be up there with the most wonderful things I, I guess have I said. Agree. Yeah, it's amazing, brilliant. And final question from me, Michelle, because obviously you're so passionate about what you do and the industry and, 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 and obviously the wonderful people you work with. But as an agency, we're all about taking complex things and, and making them wonderfully simple. So what's one of life's complexities or things that you're involved with that you would love to see made simpler? I want everything to be simpler. <laughs> Don't we all? Honestly, <laughs> I literally spend my life going, it's not that hard. Like we, we find reasons to complicate stuff. So in simple terms, what I would love, and I've spent over 20 years Trying to get because I like can't get my head around why it can't be done. Is a young person or or old person anywhere who wants to take part in physical activity or sport, regardless of your gender, size, ethnicity, ability, disability, should be able to go. Oh, I know where to go like that, and then have the opportunity to go, actually, I just want to be part of this club and just play and I don't really want to do anything more. But if I do know that I've got a bit of a talent and interest, I want to know that's that's the route that I'm going. And then if I really start to show, you know, that I've got some talent, there you go. So that the pathway through sport shouldn't be as complex as it is. It shouldn't be the lottery that it is. I just want it simplified. And my plea to anybody who's listening, I really need a million quid. So if anybody wants <laughs> a million quid, happy to do it as a, as a seed investment fund or whatever. But if we didn't have to scrabble around for money, you know, if we had the right resource, we could put the right resource in at the local level, it benefits everybody. In basic terms for me, and it is just drives me I think the world would be a much better place if we if we're kinder if we have empathy if we listen and we hear what's being said and you just it just has a has a knock-on effect so just do something nice or say something nice to somebody every day I'm going to say something nice to Dan now Dan you're a lovely man Dan (laughs) well do you know what I was about to say something the same for you because you bought me the new Arsene Wenger autobiography. Isn't that a kind thing for someone to do as a Man United fan? Isn't it? Yeah, very kind. Thanks, Michelle. That was absolutely brilliant. Really. Oh, no, thanks. I enjoyed that. Thank you for tuning in to the Wonderful People podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Wonderful Creative Agency. Find out more at thewonderful.co.uk.